Hello, this is Mike Van Meter. Welcome to the Recovery is Possible podcast. I want to thank you for joining me and you can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. This podcast exists to educate the public about addiction, remove the stigma associated with addiction, and offer help and support to those suffering from addiction. So today we're going to be talking about early recovery and we have a special guest, uh, Katrina from Florida. And I met Katrina, and when I say met Katrina um, virtually, I've never actually met Katrina in person. You know, we're in the the COVID times here, and I'm in the Washington D.C. area, and she's down in uh, Florida. And I, if I recall correctly, how we met because it's actually kind of become blurry to me. Um, those of you that listen to this podcast uh, remember, there's a, a gentleman named Mark DeBona. He was interviewed earlier on this podcast. And I believe, Katrina, you met Mark somewhere in Florida, and through a series of events, he referred you to me, and we've developed uh, an online relationship. And in fact, you've attended online meetings up here in Virginia, where, where I live. And um, so, Katrina is going to talk about uh, her early sobriety, because folks, guess what? Katrina just hit 30 days clean and sober. And if you are new to recovery, that is a big deal. It really is. I know in my own recovery journey, it took me about a year to get 30 straight days. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I I think getting 30 days was much, much harder than getting to nine years where I'm at now. And it really is just as tough. And uh, so Katrina, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you know what? I will just throw it out there for the audience. Uh, Katrina, tell us what was going on in your life, you know, what the way that it was. What happened to you? What brought you here? And then tell us how you did it. Um, so I used to drink a lot. Um, I can't believe I'm saying used to. I never thought that I would be 30 days sober. Um, I was not a blackout drinker, but I would drink sun up to sundown didn't really care about anything or anyone else. Um, it wasn't until my son who's now 18 came home and we had just recently lost my father. He, uh, he was an alcoholic and he died of a disease that is caused by alcoholism back in March of last year. And my son, when he came down, he obviously (laughs) knew I was drinking and probably didn't quite know how much, but he knew it was more than I should be. And he came with me to my church one Sunday and sat down with my pastor and told him that he was worried about his mom, about me dying like his grandpa did. And that really kind of shook me up a little bit because you don't want your son to know you as an alcoholic. Like that's just not okay. Um, So when I heard that, I was like, something's got to change. I tried to quit before, um, unsuccessfully, of course, uh, like it says in the, in the big book, you know, you can go out and try to slow down your drinking. You can set your number of drinks. You can say, okay, I'm not drinking this day. Yeah. None of that works. I'll tell you guys that right now. Um, Mike, I even remember you telling me that, yep, you can continue with your research and development, but, uh, you know, it's not going to work for you. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. The R and D department of AAA, it doesn't work that way. And nope, not at all. Um, so I 
uh, like Mike was saying, um, Mark Devona was a friend of mine or is a friend of mine. We used to work together. Um, he worked for the sheriff's office. I worked for the local police department and I talked to him and he hooked me up with, with Mike and Mike and I talked on the phone several times. Um, and I am very stubborn and hard headed and I was not going to go to AA. I was like, it's not for me, not going to work. Well, Mike had told me that this disease is going to kill me. And I had to understand that. And that kind of hit home, uh, especially with my dad's death. So I was like, well, what do I have to lose? If it works, great. If it doesn't work, what have I missed? And so I went to my first meeting. Um, it was okay. Like I'm sure everybody out there who's you know new to sobriety and new to AA, you're not quite sure what it's all about. You know, you see people sitting around drinking coffee. You think that's like some magical Kool-Aid or something, you know, I don't know. Well, um, it is. <laughs> I sure was like, well, I don't know. Um, but everybody in the room seemed so happy. Like nobody was down and out. Everybody was happy to see each other. It was just, a, it's just like a totally different atmosphere. Um, and so I went for a while. Um, I think I got 20 something days clean. And then I wasn't anymore. Uh, went back out, figured I'd just go have a beer. Well, we all know how that works. Uh, one beer turned into two, turned into three, turned into, I think, six that night, if I remember right. Um, so then I was like, okay, great. Um, Got to start over. Well, once I hit that six beers that one night and decided to start over, it was, it was almost like I, I just couldn't do it. I was still going to meetings. Um, I still had the support of my friends and my family and my church. Um so I was back to hiding it. I would, you know, drink a beer on the way to work. I would drink a beer uh, even on the way to church, on the way home. Like I would stop at just about every single gas station on my way and buy a beer. So like nobody knew I was drinking, right? But wrong. Um, and so then, of course, I came clean to uh, Mike and my sponsor, Marianne. Um, and I went and I got on Anabuse. Um, that's the only way for me not to drink right now. It's gotten easier, um, but there's still times where I'm like, man, if I wouldn't have taken my antabuse, like I would totally be drinking right now. Um, so that's that's been my my godsend, my lifesaver right now. Okay, and so tell us about the first thirty days because that that's a big deal. You know what what did you do daily to get to where you are now? Um, well, it starts every day just by climbing out of bed and being like dead set. I'm not going to drink today. Uh, I have my mind focused on, on other things. Um, I pray a lot. Um, so I'll get up in the morning and I'll pray and periodically throughout the day I'll pray. Like even if a desire hits me to drink, I'll be like, God, you know, take this away from me, please. Um, help me to get through this moment. And, uh, I go to at least one a meeting a day, if not two. Uh, I think I yeah. went to three once. Um, and then I just keep myself busy. Um, I own horses, so I'm constantly out at my barn. I'm riding. Uh, I'm teaching lessons. I'm doing anything that I can do just to keep my mind focused on something other than the alcohol. Right. And so uh, talking about being the barn, I, I know in, in talking to you that there's a lot of people that come to the barn with alcohol because uh, I kind of get the impression that that is, you know, people are coming there to ride, you know, people are boarding horses, but it's also kind of a social thing. And 
people are coming and there's a lot of temptations because people are coming in, they're bringing beer. Oh, yeah. So what have you done to kind of, uh, what, you know, what have, has been your tactic? I mean, to, to do it. Cause I know what that's like, you know, I am in a, have been in a profession where drinking is actually the norm and it's part of almost everything that we do. So what, what strategies did you implement in order to, to deal with that? Cause I'm sure that didn't go away. No, no, it didn't. Um, and I, just because I don't want to drink or can't drink, I don't want other people to, to not be able to enjoy a beer with their horse or whatever. Um, so I just asked them, Hey, put it in a, a koozie thing, um, pour it in a cup. Don't leave it here. Uh, we have a barn refrigerator. I was like any alcohol left in the fridge at the end of the day, I will throw away. I doesn't need to be here. Um, and that, again, that's again, where the end abuse comes in handy. Um, we just, I just had my first sober new year's. Um, All right. and, uh, it surprisingly wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be. Um, I didn't go to any parties. Um, like I, that's kind of the other thing, like there's restaurants, bars that I used to go to all the time where I would go eat and drink and I just can't go there right now. Um, I don't trust myself even on the abuse. Don't want to be throwing up all over the restaurant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, New Year's Eve, like it was just a small group of us and we just watched the fireworks from the barn and, um, one of the girls out there had a bottle of champagne. She's like, Hey, I got some Moscato. You know, if you want some, there's champagne glasses in there. I'm like, Nope. I'm good. I'll take a champagne glass and pour my diet Coke into it. You know, that works. Um, and I didn't really think about drinking. Like the bottle was right there and I really didn't want it. You know, um, did you, did you notice what I noticed? Uh, when, when I, my first year of sobriety, I have to hand it to you because I, I went into complete lockdown. You know, I, I know that people are really stunned by this, this lockdown with, with COVID, but I had actually done that to myself, self-induced lockdown, uh, my first year of recovery. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't go to parties. I didn't go to dinners. Um, we we did Christmas and Thanksgiving, New Year's Eve celebrations, all of that. I did it at home. And I went to lots and lots of meetings and I read everything recovery related I could get my hands on. That That's what I chose to do. You know, uh, it, it is certain part, there's certain things that we all have to do in recovery to get, you know, but, but then you take all of the traditions, all of the suggestions, but then boil it down to how you operate mentally yourself and for me that that's what worked and when i finally did start venturing out and going to places where people drank and parties and new years birthdays and you know all the different events that we attend in life one thing i noticed was not as many people drank as i thought they did yeah. you know and i'm not talking about alcoholics i'm talking about i i used to have the impression that everybody drank you know during these events and I found out in sobriety that actually is not the case. Is did you experience that as well? Um, maybe a little bit. I was like I said, it was just a small group of us. Um, and I, there was a girl there who I was like, she never drinks, and she's got a glass of champagne. Um, so probably it's not that extent, but I am I, through not through the holiday thing with New Year's Eve. I didn't notice it as much, but through my day to day, um, I do like. I'll, I'll just amazed at like, well, these people are out here having dinner and they're not drinking a beer or they're not having a glass of wine or, you know, how does that happen? Or did you happen to notice that even if they did, like, let's say they had a beer or a glass of wine, maybe they didn't even finish it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Which I always thought was alcohol abuse. Exactly. Alcohol abuse. That's just, you know, that's that abuse. Was, <laughs> I never <laughs> understood that, but it really changed my perception. I, I think growing up, um, 
I just I just had the impression that everybody drank. And the fact is, is that they don't. There's a lot of people that don't drink for a lot of different reasons. You know, it could be that they're training for something. It could be, a, you know, there's a lot of religious denominations where, you know, people don't drink. Um, there are some people that just don't like the taste. There's some people that can't handle it. My, my wife is in that category. And I think as time goes on, you find out that it's, it's actually okay to not drink, that you're not, you're not judged by other people. And, you know, I, I hope that you're starting to see that as well. There's a lot oh, of absolutely. reasons why people don't drink. And, you know, for us, it's just, you know, we can't, if you're diabetic, you know, yeah, you, you, you can't am. drink. So yeah. Oh, was- okay. Yeah. See, and a lot of times <laughs> if you, you know, for example, and I know you're still early on. So when you have, and, and I'm sure you have a lot of people that you've been around where, that saw you drinking all the time. And now yep. all of a sudden, bam, you're not drinking. And when people come to you and they say, hey, Katrina, I noticed you're not drinking anymore. You know, for those of you that are new to recovery, um, what, you know, one of the things, if you don't feel comfortable with just coming out and being honest with people, what you can do is you can say things like, well, you know, I'm diabetic and, and my doctor said I really need to stop, you know, drinking because it affects my diabetes, which it does. And that's legit. I mean, that's, Absolutely. that's you know, and what's funny is you'll, you'll probably never get that question from that person ever again. You know, it just, I can't medically. Okay, got it. And you move on. Um, I think that uh, I have found in my experience in sponsoring people that, you know, people really stress out about, you know, what do I do when I go to that event that I used to drink a lot at and now I'm not drinking at all? What do I tell people? Well, there's a lot of things you can tell people, right? Would you agree with that, Katrina? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, like Friday night, I went to my first rodeo and uh, competed with a friend of mine. Oh, wow. And again, you know, horse shows, rodeos, whatever you equate it to, there's going to be alcohol. Um, and of course my friend, best friend knows that I'm not drinking anymore. So it helped to have her there with me. So like we're walking around, Oh, you want a beer? And you know, I'd be like, no, I don't, but she might. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that would, that, yeah, it's very helpful to, to have somebody else that, that knows what you're going through. Um, and the, like first I didn't want every, anybody to know, like I was an alcoholic because of the whole, like you said, the stigma that comes with it. Like, it's like, Whoa, that's a bad thing. Right. Um, but it's really not, um, uh, people that don't know about the disease and don't know how it works, they don't understand how our mind operates. Um, so even if you tell somebody, yeah, I'm not drinking because of some mental things, like, well, we're not lying. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. And uh, so, yeah, there's several answers you could give somebody as to why you're not drinking. Or I've told somebody that, you know, I just decided I don't want it anymore. Yeah, nothing yeah. wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. And another tactic that you can use, like when you w- went to the rodeo, is um, actually have something in your hand, you know, a cup or a can or, you know, because a, a lot of times people will ask you if you want a beer or if you want a drink because they notice you don't have a drink in your hand. So if you have a Coke or, uh, you know, coffee, whatever, whatever it is that you that you want um, and you have it, 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 it's kind of like that that void is filled and they don't go. You know, you're not going to, it's less likely they're going to come to you and say, Hey, Katrina, do you want a drink? Because they'll see that you already have a drink, you know? And a lot of times, you know, people don't know what's in the drink. They may just assume that it's alcohol or, um, you know, if you're drinking a cup of coffee, you know, you could say, Hey, no, I'm, I'm driving home tonight. There's a lot of legitimate reasons. And I, I just know that people in early recovery really stress out over, well, what do I tell people? In time, I, I will tell you, in time, you will just not care. <laughs> just, there's no other way of putting it. Um, 
And then also, you know, remember too, you, you change your, norm. this is early for you in changing your norms, right? Right. For me, I've become kind of known in my social circles as being the guy that does not drink. I, I mean, it's just, I mean, nine years later, it's kind of like, we go to dinner, Mike doesn't drink. And, and people know that. And so I don't even get asked the question anymore. But, you know, you're still in that, that first year. And so you're going to have to reset, you know, kind of change that paradigm in yep. your social circles. Yeah. And that's probably one of the harder things to do is to be like, no, I can't go there. Like, I know you guys are going to this great restaurant. I can't go. Um, there was some friends of mine that every Tuesday we'd go up to this restaurant called Papa B's. They have the best wings around and mm. like $5 pitchers of beer. And we would sit around on Tuesday nights and that was our, that was our thing. Um, can't do that anymore. I don't, I can't go eat just wings right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would have to have that ice cold brew to go down with it. Um, and, but they understand, um, they're ones that I trust. I've known them for a while. And uh, so I was like, no, you know, I, I'm an alcoholic. I can't go there. It's going to be too tempting for me to, to partake. And they completely understood. Um, right. And, and you know what? You just hit something there, right? The people that care about you will support you in this Absolutely. because they under, well, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, they probably already knew that there was a problem. Okay. And and if they're honest with themselves, they're, they're probably very happy that you're getting well. Yes. They're yes. probably very happy about it. And that's what true friends are all about. That, that, that was actually my experience. I actually found that I had a lot more support from people than, and, and almost to a person, they were supportive. Anybody that was not supportive, um, actually looking at them, uh, I, I think they may not have been supportive of me because they actually have their own problem. You know, it's not for me to call, you know, judge someone else and determine whether they're an alcoholic or not. But I, but I, I will safely say that those people had an issue with alcohol. Right. And then when I got sober, they, they seemed to be the ones that had the biggest problem with it. But, uh, but everybody else in my life already knew that I was struggling and they were very, very happy that I got well. And uh, it sounds like that's the case with you as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, being still early in my sobriety, it's kind of cool because I can see and I remember uh, the changes, like the, the differences that I've noticed. Um, like my business is running so much smoother. I don't get stressed over mm. little things. Um, you know, some things that would send me running for a beer. I'm like, nope, don't need that right now. Um, just going to go read my book or go ride my horse. Um, I'm more focused. And mm -hmm. even some of my clients have, have commented, wow, you know, your, the barn's running smooth. Everything's running great. We haven't had any issues. Um, my lesson clients' parents are coming up. Oh, you're so, this is so awesome. You're such a wonderful teacher. Where before I'd be like, okay, when can I finish this lesson and go have a beer? Yeah. Um, you know, half the time I would have a, a beer in a, in a cup while I'm teaching. Um, not very good. Um, I have had alcohol in a cup while I'm <laughs> at my church, um, in my office, like thinking nobody knows. Um, yeah, people know. Um, <laughs> they do. And, that, and that's the big, that's the big lie that our minds, you know, remember, you know, I, I've often said on this show that, Addiction is the disease that tells you that you don't have you it. You don't have it. Yep. Okay. I actually and shared that in a meeting yesterday. Oh, did you really? I did. Oh, tell us about that. 
Um, I can't even. We the topic was on. Um, it was in I think the for the doctors from the doctors. The doctors' opinion. opinion. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was talking about how it's like injurious. We know that, yet we still go out and drink, knowing the consequences, knowing what's going to happen, and that was kind of like the topic. Um, so when I shared, I was like, I was like, you know, it's so true. We don't think about that. Um, I shared with them, you know, how you had driven it into my head about the whole, it's a disease and it will kill us. And, uh, I don't know how I worked. It's a disease that tells us we don't have it in there, but somehow I did. It made sense last night. <laughs> yeah. Um, and over time, it, it tries to convince you that you've gotten well as if we ever get over this. And that's, that's yeah. again, the big deception of, ah, oh, you know what? Nine years, I'm, I'm good. You know, I think I'm over it now. Maybe I made too big of a deal of it. No, 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 no. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. No. Uh, it's uh, always there. There was actually one guy in one of the meetings I went to who he was 24 years sober. And he went out, uh, met a girl got conned into drinking, um, then went to her place and took some fentanyl and overdosed. Um, he said that he died, but oh my he God. came back. He died. He came back. Like he was legally dead, um, pronounced dead or what? I don't, I don't know how that works, but he was dead and then came back. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so he had been gone for a while. I remember, you know, everybody's like, Hey, where's so-and-so. And, uh, so to see him back in the rooms it is good. But yeah, it, it you can't get too arrogant. You can't be like, no, I've got this thing beat um, because you don't. <laughs> no, no, you, you don't. And that's a very, very important message. And you, you got to stay connected. And, and I heard early on, um, I, last night I interviewed uh, Jim, Jim M. Um, it's, it's a podcast if you want to go back and, and listen to it. And one of the, you know, Jim is like the king of the one-liners in, in AA. And Jim used to say all the time, meeting makers make it. And I have noticed that that's, that's kind of the trend where people just, you know, they're going to a lot of meetings, then they start to not go to meetings, then they stop calling people and they become disconnected. And then before you know it, uh, they relapse. And so you, you've you been talking about going to meetings and it's, I think you'd mentioned that you're going to at least one a day. Has that been, has, what has that played, part has that played for you? And do you, Say, do you think that that's vital? Has it been vital to getting you through these first 30 days? Oh, absolutely it is. Um, like I said, in the beginning when I was going, I was like, man, this is not for me. Like, I don't understand it. Um, but for some reason, I, I just kept going back. Um, and eventually things started to make a little more sense. Um, uh, you, hook, uh, you hooked me up with Mary Ann. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I talked to her and she agreed to be my sponsor. Um, and so I talked to her every day. And of course, going to the meetings, I had so much free time from not drinking. I had to do something with that time. Um, so it's, do I go sit at home by myself? Do I hang out at the barn by myself? Do I go out with some friends and have a few drinks? Um, no, I'd go to an AA meeting. Um, and until you quit drinking, you don't realize how much time you actually spent drinking. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, it's true. And, it's true you just notice there's, wow, I have like this huge gap of my day. What am I going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you go to a meeting and then just the people there that you meet, everyone is like super welcoming. Um, 
nobody judges you. Nobody's going to be like, aha, you know, you're not as bad as we are. You're worse than we are. Um, there's none of that. No. And everybody's open. Um, and, and honest for the most part, like some of these things that, that go around the rooms that people share, you're like, wow. Um, and I was one of those where I'm like, I'm not sharing, I'm not saying anything. Um, I'm kind of very much to myself. Uh, and that's, I guess, kind of what the alcohol did too, because alcohol makes you want to isolate. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so it wasn't until here recently, maybe the last like week or so that I've really been like kind of coming out of my shell, so to speak. And, you know, actually talking to people, staying for the meeting after the meeting, um, and just hanging out and you, you meet some really cool people, mm-hmm. people that you know that, you know, Hey, if I'm having a rough day, if I'm having a tough time, I can call them. And it doesn't have to be just, Hey, I want to drink today. It can be anything. It can be like, I'm just having a rough day. I don't know why uh, my car broke down. My dog died, whatever. There, there's somebody that's always going to be there for you. That is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. Very welcoming group. I have to tell you, um, my closest friends right now are in AA. Absolutely, my closest friends. Yeah. And I will I will tell you this that even, you know, professionally, you know, we help one another. Um after I retired, you know, from law enforcement and I and I worked uh for another company and then COVID hit and we all got furloughed. Um it was somebody that I met in uh, the rooms of AA that helped me get employed again. And when I say helped me get employed, it was like the next day. I was in working for another company. I mean, it's amazing the people that you meet and the contacts that you meet and the help that you're given. Um, Very, very supportive. And one thing I have to say about you is uh, I really appreciate how you, you know, you had those early struggles, which is very, very typical, but um, you listened. You you really listened um, to what people had to say. And that's hard to do because you, you were a police officer and and I have to say, and Jim mentioned this in my, my last podcast, that some of the hardest people to reach are military police and and doctors. Um, he said police and doctors, but I'm going to throw military in there because I, you know, I I was prior military and, and I work with a lot of military and there's just something about these professions that, cause us to not be willing to listen like other people can. And I think that's just because in those professions, we are trained to be the people that others right. go to for, for help. And and you are, are conditioned to never give up and never surrender and you can defeat anything. And that's, that's great. That's absolutely necessary in those professions. Very, very bad trait when you, when you are an addict like we are, yeah. but uh, for you, Katrina, I, I have to say that I've really appreciated that you've put that aside and you've been willing to listen and you, and you have, and, um, and you, and you've really communicated the struggles that you've had. And I think that that's a key too. For example, I remember one night you, you texted me and you said, Hey, by the way, how long, <laughs> if you remember, the, you said, how long can you be off of abuse before and you can drink again? Yep. And, and, and my response to you, and I wasn't actually trying to be snarky. I was, <laughs> I was just, I just wrote back and cause I've, I've learned, you know, I've, I've learned in my own walk that, you know, I'm not going to, Hey, I, I know why you're asking the question and uh, I'm not going to contribute to that. Um, you'll just, you'll just have to find out on your own, you know, yeah, the way that I, I did. I wasn't willing to risk that. <laughs> no, no. Hey, but but here's the thing. But but you but you asked the question. You see, right. the difference between you and I is in early sobriety. I didn't ask that question. I had to. You're talking about how you were hard headed. I'm even more hard headed, <laughs> and I didn't even ask the question. I just went out and found out. Oh yeah, these guys are right. Um, 
if you drink on interviews, it yeah, bad things happen. I had to find that out on my own. But you asked the question, which is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not one to want to. I don't want to get sick. So yeah, I uh, you know it's 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 just I'm so proud of you because this is a big big accomplishment and and i know you're excited about it you sent me a, a cop oh, yeah. a, a picture of your coin and and um and, and rightly so well do, do you not agree with me this is one of the toughest things that you've done in your life isn't it oh yeah absolutely um mm -hmm. i never knew never realized it would be this hard um you know now here i am i'm meeting with a therapist i have a psychiatrist mm -hmm. um my doctor knows what's going on and I never realized that I would have to be on like a bazillion different medications um, mm -hmm. just to be able to, to not drink. Um, I was one of the things that really hit me too is when I picked up my prescription for my abuse, it's like, this is a medication used for chronic alcoholism. Well, I think that's when it finally like kicked in that, Hey, you've been saying you're an alcoholic, but now you really know you're an alcoholic. Yeah. Because because I it says it right there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and what you're learning too, uh, you're talking about the medications. You know, the good news is that doesn't last forever. But really, what that's sign of too is that when you when you drink chronically, you do a lot of damage. And and for those listening, those that are new, uh, maybe you're thinking about getting well. You got to understand there's a lot of chemical and physiological imbalances that go on in your body. When you drink like that, um, there's vitamins and minerals that aren't even absorbed into your body. Even if you take them, for example, you could be taking vitamin supplements, but not all the vi the vitamins aren't even being absorbed into your system because of the alcohol. For example, the B series of vitamins are not even absorbed. And, and B1 and 3, 1 in particular, has to do with neurological functioning um, of your brain, meaning rational thought. It's not even being absorbed. And then let's be honest, when we're drinking that much, um, you're not, most of your cal caloric intake for the day is alcohol. It's not even legitimate food or, you know, certainly not any anything that's nutritious. And when we get into recovery, we have to re- work that we have to rebalance that and that does not happen overnight that takes anywhere depending on how well you're eating and how well you're taking care of yourself it could take a year to a year and a half in my case it was it was over a year before i noticed that like my, i'm rebound like my brain ha has been rebalanced and um you know You'll, you'll notice that as well so those medications that you're taking and there's a lot of you know gaba uh mm -hmm. Uh, you know, ser uh, your serotonin levels are dropped down. All yeah. those, your sleep cycles, you know, because that's another reason why you're imbalanced because uh, uh, you're not really sleeping. You don't, you don't, people think that they are, but they're not really sleeping. Right. Well, that causes chemical imbalances. And all of that takes time to heal, but it does if you don't drink during that period yeah, and take care does. of yourself. It yeah. does. Like even just this first 30 days, um, you know, I've noticed I'm waking up in the morning and I'm not like, oh, I got to go to this and then I can go back and take a nap. Yeah. Like I have more energy. Like I'm like, okay, yeah. cool. I'm up. Um, and then again, like in the beginning I wasn't eating at all. I was mm -hmm. like, I can't, I couldn't eat or nothing, but now, you know, nothing wrong with eating and I eat more healthy. Like I constantly want a salad. I don't never eat salads, but now I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> and, uh, so yeah. Um, and I can only see that it's going to get better from here on out as long as I stick to the program and do what I'm supposed to do and work at it. I, I'm going to make it. Hey, and I, I'll tell you, just talking to you, you're, you're so much clearer, so much more, um, 
I don't want to say rational, but just a clearer thought, you know, of, you know, we, we, you and I aren't having those, you know, uh, gerbil wheel type conversations, you know, people, <laughs> no, no, no. And you, and I'm sure you've seen this at meetings where, you know, people in very early recovery, it's like this, this kind of hamster wheel type conversation where you, the same things over and over and over and over again, it's like they're locked on one, one thought process. And I was the same way when I came in, but you're not like that now. I mean, now you're, you're very rational right now. And that, and that's a sign that your brain is healing, your body is healing and you're getting well. You know, well, you haven't mentioned that clients have mentioned the same thing to you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, just that they, they see a difference. And not, none of my clients know, you know, what I'm, that I'm an alcoholic. Obviously, that would destroy my business. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they do see a difference. And they've said it to me and, like, my boarders have said stuff to me. Um, even people at my church have noticed that I'm just kind of happier. I've always been like the one with a smile on their face, but it's never been a, a real thing. And now it's like for real. So I'm smiling because I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike before it was just putting on a mask. So. Yeah. You, don't you, you feel free, right? Yeah. Yeah. You feel free. And the one thing is, you know, you're giving up alcohol, but you're gaining the rest of the world. That's the way yep. I look at it. Yep. And man, I am just so, I'm so proud of you. Congratulations on 30 days. And I know that uh, we're going to have to have you back. Uh, I want to, I want to interview you when you get to, you know, six months, when you get to a year, Uh, would you be willing to do that? Absolutely. Anything to help a fellow alcoholic. So before we leave here, um, what do you want to tell people? What, if you could have one takeaway for today, what would you tell somebody in early recovery? Maybe there's somebody listening right now that is struggling. What would you tell them? Just keep to it. Find a meeting. It doesn't have to be AA. There's other ones out there. There Get are a support yep. group going. Um, you can't do this on your own. You can't do it alone. Um, you know, like step one says we are powerless over alcohol. Um, but I just totally messed that up. <laughs> Well, you know, one one other thing is, you know what I really like, and I, I meant to, I was going to mention this earlier, but I'm going to mention it right now, is I love how several times during this interview, you have mentioned the fact that you, you're, you're quoting the big book. And, yeah. and again, there's other programs. I'm not, as you guys know, I'm not promoting any particular program. This just happens to be the program that you're using. Um, what it means to me is that in this last 30 days, you've been reading and yeah. you've been studying. And you've been absorbing, and that's that's part of it, right? Part of it's Absolutely. going to meetings to get out of that isolation that you talked about, and then it's doing what you need to do. It's talking to people outside the meetings, which you've done with your sponsor, with me, and others, and in yeah. others, and then reading and learning as much. And that's what I did in early recovery is I, I tried to learn absolutely as much as I could about this disease. In fact, um, I, I know you know this, but for the listeners, I'm actually back in, in school again. I'm, I'm getting another master's degree uh, specifically in addiction. I mean, that's how, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm learning that to help others, but you know, I'm, I'm doing that to help myself as well. And, and we have to, you have to learn as much as you can about this because there's a lot of garbage information out there. And you've got to learn it. And the more I've learned academically about this disease, the more I'm convinced I have the disease. (laughs) (laughs) Do you not agree? As you read the big book, are you not more concerned? I agree 100%. Yeah. A lot of of the stories in there, it's like, wow, that was me. Yep, that describes me to a T. Mm -hmm. Don't want to admit it, but yep, that's it. Um, So, yeah, absolutely. 
Wow. Well, what a joy. And I'm so proud of you. And Katrina, just thank you for for joining us here today. And, you know, as always, I'd like to say that, you know, and I mentioned this before, we don't represent any group. So don't don't think that this this is a, a group that's pushing AA. We're not doing that uh, because there are other groups out there that you can be a member of. And if you're struggling, uh, get into a group and and start learning about this. Learn as much as you can. So I don't represent anyone other than myself, and, and the same is true of Katrina. And our only purpose in giving this information is to share with what we have done because it it might help you because it certainly helped us. And if I've said anything or Katrina said anything that doesn't apply to you or you don't agree with, then just discard it. But try to take something that you can use to help yourself and then others because that's what we do in recovery. You know, we help ourselves while we're helping you and trying to impart the knowledge that we've gained uh, to get to where we are. And that's all we're doing. You know, if you can apply something that we are doing that will um, help you in your life, then certainly do that. That's what we want. So with that, please visit our Facebook page, which is Recovery Is Possible, and our website, which is VanMeterWellnessSolutions.com. Let me know how I'm doing and let me know if there's a topic that you're interested in hearing. Or if you'd like to be on this program, we'd love to hear from you. And so take care and we will see you next time. We're out.